Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I, I define League MX as the shooter shot league. You do expect higher performances and better things from Club Americas, but it's the inconsistency. With the well, thing isn't this inconsistent, though? I will maintain that the U.S. men's national team came out to the knockout round despite terrible coaching. Like, they have a student discount, maybe, to go to a games? <laughs> like, they got it, right? No. <laughs> to take that next step, I think it's still undisputed that you have to go to Europe. He's going to well, be on the ground for the majority the, of the time. No, look back at highlights. No, that's, if that's you the have... Christian Pulisic treatment, though. Same. We're going to and... have to stop this. We're going to start arguing on this podcast, aren't we? Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Rad Football Show. I'm Lizzie, and as always, with my co-host, Gino Ganello. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, you know, I mean, it's Fourth uh, of July week here in America. Am I? You can. That was so much enthusiasm. I love oh, it. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. I'm I'm very excited. I, I thought you couldn't hear me, but um, it, it turns out you can hear me too well. Um, no, it's Fourth uh, of July week here. We've had a couple days off here in the U.S. Um, a ninety min. Uh, Lizzie probably has not taken a day off because she works so hard all the time. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Lots of soccer to talk about. The U.S. is rolling, Mexico, um, you know, rolling through the group stages. Kind of what we expected for the most part, except for maybe Canada and how things turned out with them. But we'll get into all of it. We'll get into everything we need to talk about. Um, but it's it's good. How are you today? I'm good. Yes, as you just said, so much going on. North American football is in full swing. We have the U.S. Women's National Team preparing for the World Cup. We have Leagues Cup right around the corner. MLS All-Star, which we're going to be at on the ground. So stay tuned at 90 Min for all that content. Just everything going on. Obviously, MLS, again, full swing. Everything is piling up in international soccer on the men's side. We have Gold Cup. So um, we'll sleep in October. It's fine. It feels like it never stops. It really doesn't ever stop. I mean, we've been going U.S. soccer, for example, has been going since last, what, February when they started MLS camp back in 2022. Uh, you know, we've had MLS. We've had, you know, obviously MLS does not take a break for the summer. Uh, they run through the summer. So and then their break, they had a little bit of a break for World Cup. And as World Cup ended, you know, MLS was starting to get back into full swing with media day and then training camps. And it has been crazy. And once again, we have another U.S. men's national team tournament. Uh, they're coming. What do they say in England? They're coming thick and fast. Is that is that what they say? I, I think that's what I defer to our UK site. I don't know. We're going to have to. But they say something like that. It's fun. It's a fun statement. It's, yeah. Also, forgot to mention Liga Mekis is 
back. Um, they played last week. They are playing this weekend. They and are, yes. They are playing one more round before taking a pause for the League's Cup tournament, the month-long joint Liga MX MLS World Cup-style tournament from July 21st to August 19th. So that'll be an exciting one. But today, really, we're going to talk about international football, U.S. men's national team, Canada, Mexico, before diving into MLS, looking back at El Tráfico, before looking ahead to which games you should tune into this weekend, and all things soccer. So to kick off, we have the U.S. men's national team who are facing Canada in the quarterfinals, which I'm sure... um, CONCACAF was not necessarily looking to two of their (laughs) biggest competitors facing off in the quarterfinal, but we can blame Canada for that a little bit later on. So before we get into this, I want to talk about how this should have worked out and how it ended up working out. How it should have worked out would have left Jamaica, Mexico, and Canada all on the same side of the table, I think, which seems like, which seems wrong, right? Like, I feel like yeah, but also like I like, feel like that's tough. Like, uh, like yeah. in the end, it honestly worked out probably better from a competitive standpoint, maybe in the fact that you know U.S. doesn't have. I mean, not that Panama's anything to scoff at, but you know they would have Panama, what Panama, Qatar, and and Guatemala on their side if it worked out that way, and instead it's Canada on their side now. So I mean, I don't know. It just seems a little weird that all that, in my opinion the U.S. and the other three nations that are with them in the top four, uh, three of them would have been on the same side of the table coming in the quarterfinals. Yeah, it would have been a little bit difficult, um, but I think Congo Cup kind of banks on the fact that you have your Giants facing off in the later rounds of the tournament, so you'll still have those great matchups. They'll just be in semifinals and finals. Um, but that's not the case here. Um, Guatemala beat Canada in the group to top the group, so Canada came in second place, and I guess to get Canada off the bat right away, um, we can kind of dive into how it's falling falling into pieces. It's just um, yeah, it's playing all around. I think um, Canada kind of went into this tournament with their quote-unquote B squad, kind of letting all the European-based players head off back to do preseason with their team, except following the footsteps of the U.S. men's national team, except they failed to take into account that they don't necessarily have a competitive secondary squad to head into these tournaments so really i mean that last game against cuba where Cuba managed to score on penalties and i believe it ended 4-2 it was it was just chaos altogether and i don't mean any disrespect to cuba but really when all the other opponents beat them with a clean sheet really as they claimed not so long ago to be congregate giants now they really should be doing better. Yeah, I mean, they right. They had. I think this is this is the thing, right? It's uh, you know they, they've claimed that they are the top of the Concaf, the best of the best. They've been doing the trash talking. I feel like a lot. I feel like we've obviously heard a lot of talk from John Herdman, uh, whether it be in the World Cup and 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 some of the other things either. that he said. Um, you know, I mean, it's it, it feels like there's been a lot of talk surrounding Canada or based out of the can- Canadian camp and. They've got nothing really to show for it. They haven't won any trophies. They haven't really dominated. They got kicked out of the 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 World Cup without really much of a fight. Um, and listen, I, this is not saying that Canada doesn't, doesn't have a great team, but the depth isn't there. So when they brought their B team, I don't think the expectation should have been that they would have gone far in this tournament. But against Cuba, 
Guatemala and um, Guadalupe. Guadalupe, you would expect them to do so much better. Like you said, Guadalupe scored. I think Guadalupe scored in like the 90th minute to tie their match against them. Um, they tied with Guatemala, Canada. I mean, these are yeah. nations that don't frequently feature in yeah. the in the hex in the hexagon when we play in World Cup qualifiers. So these aren't teams that they should be losing to. But again, it, it comes down to depth. And, and Canada, while they do have a very good A team, their B team is just not up to par with with the rest of yeah. CONCACAF. I mean, questionable. Their, their A team is also, to a certain extent, questionable. But I completely agree. I mean, you they advanced from the group stage with one victory, given that they were in one of the relatively easier groups of the Gold Cup. I mean, Jamaica is not easy, and that was in the U.S. men's national team group. Um, Haiti, not necessarily the easiest, and Qatar also not the easiest in Mexico's group. Um, they really and Honduras. I mean, Honduras is very good in Mexico's group too. I mean, Honduras yeah. has made a hex before, so yeah, not not necessarily the most difficult opponents for Canada, and yet you're drawing against Guatemala and Guadalupe, um, and just really skating by a win against Cuba, where, as you saw the difference with Mexico winning 4-0, the U.S. men's national team winning 6-0. I mean, Canada really didn't have any type of celebration on that end, and I think it'll be extremely interesting to see them face off against the U.S. men's national team this time around on, I believe, what is it, um, on Sunday? It is Sunday, yes. Sunday at 7.30, I think it is. 7.30 Eastern time. Of course, that is the posted time. I don't know whether it's actually going to until 8 o'clock. So we love CONCACAF. Just be prepared um, for that. Who knows what channel it'll be on. I mean, they're well, very good at not telling you where to watch. All that information on 90min.com slash US. Yes, so can. if you need any information, head, head on there. Um, but yeah, no, it'll be... An, a definitely an interesting showing given that it's their B team against a U.S. men's national team B team with, yeah. I do want to say, some C-level substitutes. Um, we've seen quite a bit of injuries go on at the American camp um, with the kind of exit of Alan Senora, who got injured, Jordan Morris, who's questionable. Um, we had Jackson Uil kind of come in and be that for BJ Callahan in his last showing as U.S. Um, men's national team interim manager. So it's not necessarily the best of the best from either side. It'll kind of just be a competition of who has more depth. And I think we know how that's going to go, but yeah. still interested to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think when, again, going back to Canada, I mean, their group featured the 166th best team based on FIFA rankings, according to FUTMOB and the 136th best team, according to uh, FUTMOB uh, in terms of FIFA Guadalupe doesn't even have a ranking based on FootMob, so I'd have to look that up to see what it is. And they tied two of those games. And meanwhile, you know, Trinidad and Tobago is the 101st best team, which is better than any of the other teams in Canada's group. And the U.S. beat them 6-0. So I I think this is probably going to be – I mean, listen, what I will say is, you know, it's Canada, it's U.S., it's not – you know, I think – it's not hard to get up for these games, whereas maybe against a Guadalupe, a Guatemala, Cuba, you're like, oh, we'll probably walk through this one, and then you get surprised, then you die. 
Um, they know what to expect with the U.S. They know it's going to be a fight. Yeah. Um, but I, I find it hard to believe the U.S. is going to slip up here, even with some of the injuries. Um, you know, this team is is firing on all cylinders yeah. uh, since, you know, they, they, they didn't play great against Jamaica, but have really made up for it in, in the games against Trinidad and Tobago and um, St. Uh, Kitts and Nevis. So um, it, I think the U.S. wins this one. In impressive fashion, I mean, again, you look back just a f- couple weeks ago, really, uh, they played the A-team, the U.S., with their A-team, and they handled Canada pretty well. Um, so I'd imagine it's going to be a similar showing in this one. Yeah, I agree. And I'm excited for this U.S. men's national team side. I think giving a chance to Major League Soccer figures, I like quite a few. I think it's a perfect time to dive right into the criticism and extreme hatred that the U.S. men's national team fan base has against Jesus Pereira, who is tying Landon Donovan's hat-trick records. And we can go into comparing who scored against who and the ranking for what, but really Jesus Pereira is proving himself to be quite a useful player for the team, even mm-hmm. if it's in a B fashion, a B-level fashion. Um, so do you think that's fair? So when it comes to Jesus Ferreira, I would like to give him his his credit first. Like most importantly, scoring hat tricks in any game against any opposition, you know, it's not like Messi was going out and scoring hat tricks against, you know, the bottom La Liga team every time they went out there. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do to score a hat trick. And granted, we're talking about Trinidad and Tobago and and St. Kitts and Nevis, but I, I the most, you know, appropriate comparison here is you know, in 2017, when we were, com- you know, competing in the World Cup qualifiers and we had to play Trinidad and Tobago and we needed to win uh, that match to go to the World Cup. We didn't. Nobody scored any goals in that one. So they nobody scored any hat tricks in that one. So you need to give <laughs> Jesus Ferreira his credit. And, and yeah, what I will say is one of the things Jesus Ferreira has done is consistently score in the MLS, which I, again, as I will always say, consistently warrants him being called up to the national team. He is performing yeah. in his, for his club what he can do. What is in front of him, he is doing. And, you know, we haven't seen it at the national team level. We're finally starting to see it now. And he scored, I, I, what is it, 11, 12 goals now already? And in, in what is like four games, he's, he's still very young. Um, he's got a lot of room to develop. And, um, well, listen, when you look at the rankings of the U.S. men's national team forwards, He's not one or two in my book right now, but in my opinion, if he can keep scoring, I mean, again, he's not playing with the pool of six. He's not playing with the Weston McKinney's or the Tim Weah's. He's playing yeah. with the B team and he's scoring these goals. He still has some things he's overcoming here. So in my book, he's above Josh Sargent. I, I mean, I haven't seen anything yeah. from Josh Sargent in, in regards to scoring goals at the national team level on a consistent basis. So, Jesus Ferreira, in my opinion, has made a big name for himself and a big jump and has taken advantage of this opportunity that he's been given with the U.S. men's national team, and I hope he succeeds. But my thing is, I don't necessarily think he has to be number one or he has to be number two. No. There no. are certain players that are good for certain tournaments. You, mm-hmm. That's the magic of having depth is you get to choose who for what. And so Jesus Ferreira is an excellent CONCACAF player. I think he thrives in these tournaments. That doesn't necessarily mean it has to translate to 
World Cup tournaments, or, I mean, World Cup games or other tournaments. And maybe when Copa America rolls around, he may not be the first choice, but he doesn't have to be. I think there's a thin line between appreciating what he can do and then translating into then he has to do it on a bigger stage or that means he beats X player to that starting 11 spot. The thing about depth is you want those options. You want those choices. And he's being the act like he's an excellent player as a choice, as an option. Yeah. I think he's delivering when he has to, which is an excellent purpose for the U.S. men's national team. I personally don't understand the hate he's receiving, saying he's not enough, he's not this. Well, but he, he doesn't have to be. When you put him in front of these CONCACAF teams, he's defeating them, he's scoring, he's getting hat-tricks, he's giving you moments to celebrate. So stay there. Yeah, the two things I, I want to add to that too is, listen, you can only play who's in front of you. He can only right. go out there for the U.S. men's national team and play what's who's in front of him. So uh, the arguments about him not scoring against better teams, listen, I mean, no number nine in the past however many years has scored against these better teams on a consistent basis. And so just having someone scoring is great. And I think a lot of this hatred comes from his performances in the World Cup and seeing how he was poor in the World Cup. And, and granted, I, I think, I don't know, it just feels like this team now is more fluid, which fits his style and attack more because uh, he's very good on the ball, moving off the ball, making the runs. Um, but it, it the, the hate is unwarranted and we should be happy that honestly, I don't care who scores the goals. I just want them to do it. I just want them to put the ball in the back of the net. So whether it's Florian Balogun uh, or Fuller, Fuller and Balogun, whether it's Ricardo Pepe, whether it's Logan or Logan Sargent, I'm thinking of formula one, whether it's Josh Sargent, uh, whether it's Jesus Ferrer, whether it's Brandon Vasquez, I don't care who does it. I just right. want them to go out and score goals on a consistent basis uh, against whoever. So um, there should be no hate towards him. We should be happy scoring goals. And if he continues on a consistent basis, that's great. But if he doesn't and he scores against the bad teams in certain tournaments and doesn't score against the good teams or whatever, that's fine. Who cares? As long yeah, as you win trophies, you that's what matters, right? I don't care who you do it with. You mentioned Brandon Vasquez, and I feel extremely sorry for him. I've tweeted out a couple times, and every single time I mention his name, someone comes back to say, oh, you're an FC Cincinnati fan. I'm not. Um, I don't think I've ever been or ever given them a shout out in particular in this <laughs> podcast. Um, but I do feel bad for the player. I think he's done everything he needs to on a club level to prove himself to be a B team, U.S. men's national team player. He's come in as a substitute and he scored. He's done what he needed what he's needed to and yet he still can't carve out a spot in that starting 11 and is considered even a substitute of the B team where I don't think that's where his level lies and I think he's proven that on various occasions so I don't know I think he's kind of that forgotten player often um, and it makes me sad for him again I think there comes a point where you've proven what you needed to um and a couple of Mexico players said this earlier when they weren't call, called up for this international window. They say, we're told by the, the national team coach or we're told by the board that these are the steps that we need to take in order to reach a national team setting. And we do them, and yet we're still not called up or we're still not in that starting 11. And I think that's kind of the path Brandon Vasquez is taking. Like, he's scoring, he's getting his team up to great heights, he's 
given great assists last season, scored endless goals, goals for FC Cincinnati, and then has come in as a substitute against these CONCACAF teams, scored, even won the game for the U.S. men's national team a little while back, and yet you, you still can't give him a bone? So, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think it's it's tough, right? Because I will always say this, and as I said about Jesus Ferrer, I'll say the same thing about Brandon Vasquez. When it comes, especially in the number nine position right now with the U.S. and so much uncertainty, when it comes to the number nine position, you you go with players who are, are in form with their club teams. And Brandon Vasquez has not scored at the club level at the, you know, at the heights that he was scoring last season. So in my book, Jesus Ferreira, just based, if we're looking at Jesus Ferreira versus Brandon Vasquez on day one, who to start, it's going to be Jesus Ferreira because he's scoring goals at the club level. But I understand and I agree. Listen, Brandon Vasquez is a very good player, but he needs to, I think he needs, you know, again, with the crowded number nine room, you're going to need to perform well enough to get in, you know, in your club base. And that's why I don't think Josh Sargent is where he was maybe a few months ago and when the World Cup started because he's not, you know, he has not performed at the club level to the heights that we would hope he would, especially in the championship of England. So, But you wouldn't have started Brandon Vasquez to experiment with the starting 11 given that you were already qualified for the next round in that third group stage match? I think I think what they did was was I mean maybe I I would have maybe given him forty five I would have especially after Ferreira got the hat trick I would yeah. have just said all right like we'll sit you for the last forty five and we'll put Brandon in but I would have stuck because they needed again you lose that and all of a sudden you find yourself on the same side as Mexico and Jamaica and you have to well, play Mexico were they like I believe they Mexico, were sorry not Mexico and Jamaica um. You find yourself, we find yourself on the same side as Mexico. And then you would, I mean, again, if you, if Canada things worked out, you would have been playing them anyway, but I, they, they well, weren't yeah. already through as the number one. No, they, they were qualified already. They weren't qualified as first place, but they were qualified yeah. already by, this, by the end of the second game. And okay. I agree. If you want to play Pereira, cause you want to get that goal difference and you want to come out on top of group. A, I believe. Um, yeah. After that hat trick, you're already three above Jamaica. So the U.S. men's national team ended up with 12 goals, like goal difference of 12, and then Jamaica with eight. So, yeah, give him that second 45. I think I would have. My, yeah. my frustration with him is he's not even given that. And so when he does come in to play under B.J. Callahan, he scores and he does well. Um, he's fast, proven himself, and found find that good in the net. So, um there really is nothing else to do. No, I mean, yes, I agree. When he's come yeah. up to the national level, he's been good. He scored the goals. He can't do, I mean, listen, you're not scoring hat tricks. I, mean, I know Jesus Ferrer did it twice. Yeah, what time? I think like, he gets like 10 minutes. Like, you don't. No, I know, but even if he doesn't come in, even if he's playing the 90 minutes and he doesn't get a hat trick, but he gets a goal that's really good. That's like important. Right. Like, a goal is good. And he scored the game time goal against Jamaica. Like, it's not like he's not putting the ball in the back of the net. He's putting the ball in the back of the net. It's just that it, it's. Again, I I agree that he deserves a shot, and I think he should have gotten that extra 45 because who knows what playing time he's going to get for the rest of the tournament now. Um, But I don't think much when it comes to when it comes to figuring out these players and and who you're going to start game one and and who is going to be your guy coming into the camp. You go by form and 
Jesus Ferrer continues, continues, continues to impress and continues to score goals in MLS in the same league that Brandon Vasquez is doing. And Jesus Ferreira's team is not near, you know, they're not top of the West, you know, so. But Cincinnati is at the top of the East. You muted, you, you're muted yourself. Nope. My, my argument apologies. was just too good. I took away your voice. Yes, my argument was too good. good. My apologies. That's what I get for playing with the court over here, but whatever. Back <laughs> to my Brandon Vasquez comment. Um, no, it, it's just like, that's, I guess my point is that Cincinnati's at the top and he's not scoring goals for them. FC Dallas is not at the top. Like the, the team surrounding Brandon Vasquez is probably better than the team surrounding Jesus Ferrer at FC Dallas. Well, that's, that's just another topic that we can't delve into right now as we're in. No, I understand, but, but my uh, point I, is when no, it comes I to, where you're coming from. you know. I, I do understand. Um, I understand also starting Jesus Ferreira. Yeah, I probably would have started him too coming into the Gold Cup tournament um but i think coming after that jamaica match where it was brandon vasquez who won the game for the u.s men's national team i probably would have given him the next first 45 um and then traded him off i don't understand the need to stick with one number nine again especially once you're already qualified for the next round um yeah but nevertheless we are here and i I think the u.s men's national team has you know is playing favorites a little bit too I think they like Jesus. Oh, 100%. Brand. BJ Callahan is is sticking with his guy. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I, he has no need for development. Um, he's off after this tournament. So he yeah. just wants to win, get another yeah. trophy under his name. And he doesn't really care about what, what kind of progress you're leaving for the next guy. I tell you wins. what, though. I tell you what, though. If, you know, the United States plays Trinidad and Tobago under Greg and they don't score six goals... Ooh, I do not want to be on Twitter threads, whatever it is. I do not want to be on Twitter the next day if I'm Greg Berhalter because people I are going to be ripping him apart. Oh, I people cannot are going to be wait. Apart. I it's going to be am wild. still in shock that Greg Berhalter is taking over once again. I'm so excited for you. Um, yeah, back to your plateau. Go team. They just. They, I, I, we're we're going to get in. We're going to get into it. It's it. I'm, yeah, that's not. We got to move let's, on. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. And we will to Mexico, who also qualified to the next round, top of their group. Um, they won the first two games with a substantial goal difference to then enter the game against Qatar, no matter the result. Um, unfortunately, they lost 1-0 at the dreaded Levi Stadium, which is the worst of the stadiums. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a difficult match. And... Going into it, the interim manager, Jaime Lozano, tried something new. He switched up that starting 11 that he had used for both um, the first two matches. Obviously, we saw the integration of Gerardo Artiaga, who is coming off of a suspension during the red cards, which I won't get into, but I think it's the most unfair suspension I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, 
face suspension. He was back in that starting 11. Santi Jimenez started. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm transitioning, like understanding what you're saying, going through the things here. We're not getting into the red card situation and who deserved red Well, card. it's not so much that he got a red card, is that the other two were not even inscribed in the Gold Cup tournament and they got to live out their suspension. In oh, the Gold yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's so funny, though. I, I can't cast the best, I did man. not laugh. And I don't think the FMF did either. Um, I, again, I don't want to debate whether but they there were- was one Mexican player who got a red card, though, right? Who who is is serving it now, too, though, right? Yes, there were four red cards. Yeah, yeah, there were four red cards. Cesar Montes has an extra game, so he was unable to feature throughout the entire group stage. And Gerardo Artiaga, um, oh, was because you guys brought your but you guys brought mm-hmm. like your main, about you guys brought a bunch of your main players that also play the yeah, 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 okay, yeah, I understand. I, 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 I don't, I yeah. I don't I want to debate about the validity of the actual red card because I in no way condone <laughs> violence, any physical altercation. No, like very deserved on both sides. The U.S. men's national team in Mexico deserved those red cards. That was, there's no place for that in sports. However, however, CONCACAF deciding who in what tournament can live out who in what, no, unfair. No, anyway. I, I, I mean... It's tough, but I agree with you. I agree with you. Surprisingly, yeah. um, but I agree. But anyway, we're here and now. Um, so Jimmy Lozano tried a new starting 11 against Qatar with a bunch of new players. He tried Julian Araujo at the back, and there was Charlie Rodriguez, who took over for Eric Sanchez, Chiquito Sanchez. Um, Orbelin came back, obviously, in the wings. There was... A lot of changes made to that original starting 11, which he won 4-0 and 3-1, I believe, in the first two games of the group stage. And I don't want to necessarily say things went wrong, but it was just one of those games that you see and don't understand when you look at statistically. Um, Mexico had 25 shots. Qatar had one. The game ended 1-0 in Qatar's favor. They just needed that one game. And so, I mean, that one shot. And so what I liked personally, and I know there's a lot of criticism to the result and a lot of criticism to Jimmy Lozano and to what happened at the actual game. What I want to point out is a huge contrast that I've seen under Jimmy and under Tata Martino, because once Mexico got like went behind and lost or got scored on in early stages of the match under Tata Martino, Mexico would just stall creativity would decrease in a heartbeat. Mexico would plateau. They would play at the back with no real sense of urgency. Whereas this time around, they kept firing. They kept the creativity up. There was just so many moments of that game that you saw and said, that was so unlucky. I think they hit the post like four times. Henry Martin missed the net by a couple inches on several occasions. Santi Jimenez as well. So it was an unlucky game. I just, in this case, don't want to critique too much because I don't think the score reflects the entirety of the match. But I'm hopeful in that the way it was played out. Obviously, it's not a great result, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Mexico ended on top. Jimmy Lozano tried something new, and I'm personally a fan of trying something new and trying out your players. Yeah, I mean, especially when friendlies are are hard to come by nowadays, you know, in sense of nations league. And every time you come back for an international break, you're 
playing in a game that always seems meaningful in some sense or another, or in the summers now, you got tournaments nonstop. Um, I, and, and you don't get these players all the time. I think it is good to try them together. I think it's definitely yeah. a good idea. Um, you know, again, should Mexico have lost to Qatar on any facet? No, probably not. Like that, they should have won. They should have won the game. And I think it's fair to say that they should have won the game. Yeah. But I think blaming Lozano or blaming, um, you know, the team, you know, they had 25 shots on goal. They just didn't find the back of the net. The finishing wasn't there, uh, you know, when they played. It, it's not – I think, I think it's okay. Like, you, you're already through. Why not try some new things out? You know, if the United – again, like I said, you know, when the United States had brand the situation at the halftime where they were up 3 nothing, why not put Brandon Vasquez in? And I think it's the same thing here. You're already through. There's nothing to play for. Nothing matters. And granted, you know, it that's social media for you. You know, it's going to be – people are going to laugh. You know, United States men's national team – you know, burner accounts or whatever, you know, accounts that <laughs> follow the team or whatever, you know, they're going to make fun of Mexico. It's just the rivalry, you know, like they would in anything else. But in the end, you know, who, who cares that you lost the game? You're through. You didn't yeah. need to win the game. And, and I don't think Lozano should be taking any heat for it. I think that this is, was a meaningless game that meant absolutely nothing. Yeah, I agree. And I think he took it really well in that he said it was a learning lesson. He's not by any means taking it lightly, but at the same time, it's not the end all be all for the situation. Um, He got to test out, I believe it was like three different formations. um, And for the first time in an extremely long time, Mexico had two at the top in what fans have been begging for having Santi Jimenez and Henry Martin up top. Um, Obviously, he had to kind of show fans that having more strikers doesn't necessarily mean more goals, something that isn't necessarily the most clear to fans. Um, But nevertheless, he tried it also responding to fans and starting Santi Jimenez in that starting 11 um, and Julian Araujo, who people had been calling for previously and just showing how certain things don't work. And he did it in the perfect game. Cause again, as you said, it was kind of meaningless. Like, Losing, winning, who really cares? The ending was the same. Not for Honduras or or Qatar, because Qatar really needed that win. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we kind of messed up the standing for everybody else, but um, kept it the same for ourselves, um, which is interesting. But looking forward, Mexico now face Costa Rica, who are an interesting opponent. I don't want to say easy by any means. I think they're a CONCACAF team and certain CONCACAF teams can't be taken for granted. They kind of, as we say in Spanish, sacan las garras. Um, they can, like take out their claws like random moments. Um, I swear it's like more impactful. The phrase is more impactful in Spanish. It doesn't gotcha. make sense. Understood. Yeah. But no, I don't think it'll be an easy match. I do think Jimmy Lozano is going to revert to that starting 11 that worked for him in the first time. But, and as we mentioned before, Cesar Montes is back in contention. He's available and he wasn't before. I still don't think he'll get that starting um, nod. I think it'll be Johan Vasquez once again. But we shall see. All players are available. You're coming off of a very interesting group stage. And something I like and I'm excited for is that all players keep saying that they're happy under Jimmy Lozano, which was not the case against Diego Coca. So... Yeah, I mean, it's been a tumultuous few months for the Mexican national team, for sure. Um, you know, and then again, that's not to say the United States men's national team hasn't had their issues. Um, but 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Coast, when it comes to Costa Rica, listen, like I said before, I think there's four teams that you can consider probably the top tier of CONCACAF, right? It's U.S., Mexico, Canada, and I throw Jamaica in there. I think Bingo. their line is very, very good. And I always, they always seem to be a problem whenever teams play them. Jamaica. Jamaica's not easy. No, not they easy. Are- not they easy. A lot, of, a lot of quality talent for Anjumi. And Andre oh. Blake, I've interviewed him twice, and every single time I want to remind him that he is a nightmare for yeah. Mexican national team fans because he stops everything and he I'm sure is in the nightmares of so every many people fans, I know. Yeah. So many fans. Uh but yeah, he's really stopped some some show stopping shots from our end. <laughs> And yeah, I mean they have they have now they have Leon Bailey, Damari Gray, and Mikel Antonio, yeah. which are all three Premier League players. I mean, yeah, great players, really quality players. So these are this is a, you know Jamaica is up there in my mind, and then I yeah. think right below them ends up being Panama and Costa Rica. And I go this, like hand in hand. Yeah, this Costa Rican team is not the Costa Rican teams that we've seen in the past. I right. think over the last you know obviously at the height of of what was it 2014 I think it was when they made the world cup that was probably around their best time as a CONCACAF team um but again they're not anything to you know play around with they're not a team that is going to go down lightly they're not like some of these other teams so it's going to be a challenge um but I do think again when we came into this tournament Mexico was the favorites in my opinion because they brought in the most of their age, you know, most of their top side. Yeah. And so this is a game that they should win. So, yeah. um, and, and again, you know, I, I think, you, you know, with the addition of Damari Gray for Jamaica, they kind of give Mexico, if they, if they get through Guatemala, they give Mexico a little bit of a run there in, in the semis. So maybe it's not a foregone conclusion that they'll make the finals, but they definitely should win this game, Mexico. And, and I think yeah, I'm rooting for Guatemala. <laughs> I yeah, really I mean, again, if I would, if I were a Mexican national team fan, or if Jamaica was on our side of the the table and t- tables were turned or whatever, I'd be doing the same thing. So, yeah, uh, um, yeah they they should be Costa Rica though. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one. But before we wrap up, we have to head into MLS. Um, there was a midweek match day, which was very interesting, and we saw someone break MLS record for attendance, which was amazing. So yeah. for the first time ever, El Tráfico LAFC against LA Galaxy was held in the Rose Bowl, which was a um, rescheduled match. It was originally supposed to kick off the 2023 Major League Soccer campaign, but it was postponed due to, I believe it was wildfires at the time and the smoke, um, they were unavailable to play. And so it was some weather related thing. I don't remember if that's the time when they had the snow over there in LA. I I don't remember what was going on. Yeah. They had a big snowstorm this past year. I know it's crazy. Oh, It might have been, it might have been, I don't remember, but it was, it was weather oriented suspension for the game and they just played it. um, Albeit without their biggest narrative, which was Chicharito against Carlos Vela. Obviously, we know Chicharito suffered an ACL tear, so he's unavailable for the rest of the season. So it was just Carlos Vela on one side, um, I guess this time against Ricky Puig. Um, But there was over 82,000 people at the Rose Bowl. It was sold out audience. And I've been to the Rose Bowl when it wasn't sold out, and it was chaos everywhere. So I can't even imagine what that atmosphere must have been like. It was a phenomenal game to watch. I really enjoyed it. Um, especially the narrative after Chiellini called Puig a clown 
And so having Ricky Puig score again and doing the same celebration, be like, okay, he's a clown now. Um, situation <laughs> I thought was enjoyable. And yeah, so LA Galaxy won. I believe it was 2-1. 2-1. It was great. LAFC, a little bit unlucky in the final third. They had their opportunities, um, but a great match altogether, like a really intense rivalry. Things got a little bit ugly on the field in that later half of the game, but I don't know. It was really exciting. I loved watching. I, yeah, I think the LAFC LA Galaxy Derby is probably MLS's best example of, of a derby, right? Of a rivalry match in England or in these other places where yeah. it, it feels like, you know, no matter how good, and I'll bring in this because we're both fans of these teams, no matter how good Everton is and no matter how good Liverpool is, always seems to be a tough fought match and always seems to be a match that is, you know, it, it's not an easy match to win for either side. And obviously I say either side, but really Liverpool um, because. Yeah, that's so sad for you. Never win. Um, um, I just want to make it clear to the audience that I'm the Liverpool fan. Yes. It would be so embarrassing if they thought otherwise. That's not true. I mean, let's not get an Everton. It's a depressing <laughs> time right now. We're, it is, as why I would say. They're back, I, we can, we, they're back in preseason camp. They haven't had signed anybody. This could be a whole other podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. But yes, uh, I, think the, I think El Trafico is the best example of those derbies that we see that are these historic derbies. That no matter how good one side is and no matter how bad one side is, they always seem to be, you know, competing at the highest level when they play each other. And yeah. that showed again today or uh, Tuesday when these two teams faced off in the And, you know, again, Chiellini called Puy a clown uh, in the match. He apologized. Where, he apologized after. Yeah. But, but again, he did it. And, and against, you know, that was, he scored against a very weak LAFC team, but, now they've done it again. They've gone out there. They've won two one. Um, great job by the Galaxy. Just a fantastic performance by them. Um, you Even know their standings also because they're almost last place in the Western Conference yeah. and LAFC is up there. They've struggled, and I think one of the most important parts of this rivalry is as you as you mentioned earlier, like it doesn't matter how good or bad one team might be coming into this match. It's always intense. Yeah. And as many people, as many as they expected to say, LA Galaxy is going to fall. They're going to lose 7-0. Like, you really can't disregard any team, no matter how or what their form might be heading into it. Yeah, no, I, I think um, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that when it comes to this match, I mean, it's fireworks all the time. And it was best time to have it on 4th of July when fireworks are uh, – you know, part of the part part of the day of celebrating, and there were some phenomenal goals in this match, mind you. Um, you know, uh, Tyler Boyd's goal, Ricky Puy's goal, both very very good goals. I've been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So Great I mean, there there's been screamers across the MLS. Honestly, it feels like for weeks now. I feel like every time we put out the goals of the week, it is just just absolutely unbelievable goals. Um, but yeah, I mean. When you sell out to a crowd, 82,000, you hope it lives up to the hype, right? And I think that this match lived up to the hype, lived up to everything the MLS wanted it to be. It is funny that we were talking about how the match was canceled at the beginning of the season. Oh, that'll give us a chance to see Chicharito versus Vela because Chicharito was hurt at the time. Now he's hurt again, so we didn't get to see that. But you know, we did see some emergence of some new stars and some new LA Galaxy players performing at the highest level on the biggest stage. And this is 
one of the biggest stages in, in the MLS, El Trafico. I think that's easy to say, you know, um, aside yeah. from, you know, when it comes to playoffs and when it comes to MLS Cup, there isn't really a, a, a regular season MLS game that compares to El Trafico. And they got 80,000 people. And it's, you know, it's, it's a great sign for MLS moving forward that they can draw that amount of crowd, no matter who's playing. But, you know, even just, even for the biggest games 10 years ago, you weren't, you know, 15 years ago, you weren't getting 80,000 at, at when Seattle played Portland, you know, we weren't getting 80,000 at, at Lumen Field. So, you know, it's, it's a good sign for the MLS moving forward. Yeah. And looking ahead um, to this weekend's games, I know it'll be difficult to balance international action with MLS, but there's one game in particular I'm very excited to watch, which is Houston Dynamo against Sporting Kansas City because it brings two Mexicans together, HH against Alan Pulido, who might be on his last legs with Sporting Kansas City. Um, who knows this transfer window? Um, but no, they're they're two very they're friends, they're fond of each other, but they haven't necessarily faced off in MLS because of injuries. Um, last season, obviously sporting um, Ana Pulido was injured with Sporting Kansas City. He faced a knee injury, so he was out for the majority of the season. And HH obviously faced spells, but it'll be the first time in this league that the two come face-to-face. -face. And um, from what I remember, Ana Pulido told me in January that he doesn't often ask to trade jerseys with players, but he always asks Mexicans. And so we will likely see those two exchanging jerseys um, after the match, no matter who wins and no matter who's upset, I'm sure the two will come together and exchange that. So it'll be definitely interesting to watch. Plus, Houston Dynamo has slowly become like one of the most exciting teams for me. I know they're wildly inconsistent, um, but after speaking to, Brett, to Ben Olsen last week, I'm just so excited by what this team is capable of. Yeah, I mean, when you look at that match, right, and when you look at um, Ben Olsen even before the season, he said that you know, even players, I think we, when we interviewed them during uh, media day, they had come out and they said, you know, this is a different, you know, everybody seems to be buying in. Everybody was very excited coming into training camp and it's showing this, this was never going to be a team that was going to go from last place to first place. It's never going to happen. It's so hard to do, but they've been remarkably better than we saw last season. Yeah. Um, and it, that's huge for Houston. And Houston is one of those teams who's like, you always expect them to be near the top, it feels like. And they haven't been that for a couple of years now. Seems like they're getting back to that. They put in some unbelievable performances. They beat LAFC twice in one season. Or in one week. One, yeah, one season. One, week. one season as well. Um, one season as well, but one week even One week is just a bigger feat. Um, you know, they've, they've put in some really good performances at home. Uh, like you said, a little inconsistent, but they, you know, they're, they're finding their way. And I think that's all you can ask for. It's a big step in the right direction for that Houston Dynamo team. Um, for me, I'm going to go with back to LAFC and say that this is an important, this is one that I would look to watch for uh, because LAFC was playing San Jose. This is a game they've already lost, but yeah. I, this time around, it feels different, right? Um, because this LAFC team, I think we could safe to say they're skidding right now. They're, they're, yeah, they're really two of their last, I believe they've won two of their last 11 games. Uh, that's not an LAFC team that we're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. And especially with the caliber of player that they have um, and the fact that there aren't really many injuries or many players that they're missing. Um, and they've been not very good. Uh, not been able to put the ball in the back of the net. Denny Buanga scored on uh, Tuesday, but I think 
in the whole month of June, he only scored one or two goals. Which uh, is which, very Sipuanga that we've been seeing. And that's bad for LAFC because he was the replacement for Chicho Rango and was doing well and was really filling that hole very, very well. And now Chicho Rango is back in the MLS for a different team. And uh, I will go to war for Chicho Rango when it comes to what happened at LAFC. I think he's he was one of the most underappreciated and underrated player by the LAFC staff, a substitute who often came in and right away changed the dynamic of the game scored right away would provide great moments for the team and was offloaded in a heartbeat after winning the trophy that he contributed to. So. And I, you know, I, I mean, you look at this team now, they're not much different from the team last year. We had this conversation very similar to Philly. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can see that when Buanga is not on or Buanga is not scoring granted, you know, Bruangos played a lot of minutes for national team. They played a lot of minutes with CONCACAF, and maybe there's still a little yeah, bit of a hangover from that. But this team has lost games that we haven't seen them lose these type of games in, in a while. So, um, and against teams that they should be beating. So, again, El Trafico is a different beast, so I'm not blaming them for that. But two wins in their last 11, that's not good for LAFC and for their standards. So I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Um, and, 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 you know, I think it's one to watch out for to see if they can get over the hump and get a win again, because Carlos Vela's comments about, Oh, we're struggling. Look at everybody else. They're starting to look a lot worse now, now that they've only won two of their last 11. Leon really, um, kind of bumped them off the wagon. Literally though. They were flying at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And Leon was was like, no, ever since. Um, so yeah, that's been interesting. Um, but yeah, that's all from us. Tune in next week. We're going to preview um, Leaks Cup as everything goes on. Obviously, preview um, International Duty, All-Star, as that is slowly creeping up on us. So stay tuned on this platform and all social media channels and our website, 90min.com slash US, for you new information. us on threads now. Oh, we're on threads now, yes. We are on threads if you're into that. If you don't like Twitter, you oh, can find yes. us there. Um, yeah, I, I just so you know. <laughs> really that's that's the main thing so uh cool. but yeah it's, you know lots to look forward to so i'm excited cool thanks for right. watching peace bye when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.